0: and turn with me to Romans chapter 12 again today, Romans chapter 12. I'm in a series entitled uh, Living the Life. Uh, It is a series that is talking about uh, a life that is satisfying, a life that is uh, rewarding, a life that is successful, a life that is productive, and, and yet... Uh, that is productive for Jesus, living the life for Jesus. Last week, we were dealing with uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the dedication decision. Um, and, of course, we realize that uh, it is a decision. It says in Romans 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. And, of course, that's all the blessings that God has poured out upon us Um that we would present our bodies a living sacrifice. Now, that's a one-time decision that a Christian is faced with to crown Jesus, Lord of their life, to just give themselves to him completely and say, Lord, I don't know what you would have, but, but I'm going to do it. And, of course, it's approving as it says, his will. We can prove his will, and we'll know that uh, one day at a time, sometimes maybe a year at a time as you might commit yourself to going to Bible college or something like that. Um, But we can prove what is God's uh, perfect, good, and acceptable will of God. Um, It is a decision, and we realized also last week that it's to be followed up with a day-by-day yielding of our members uh, to to the Lord. Uh, But it's a one-time decision. Education takes a decision. Number one, it takes a transformed life. As we see there in verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed. So this dedication decision takes, first of all, a decision. You, you decide you're going to crown Jesus Lord of your life. And then it takes a transformation. It's a two-sided thing here, not conformed to this world, but transformed by the re- renewing of your mind and And we'll dig into that a little bit more uh, down the line. But notice, this takes place by the renewing of your mind. That transformation takes place by the renewing of your mind. And of course, uh, that transformation is not talking about that immediate transformation that takes place when you trust Christ as Savior. There's so many Theological terms that talk about truths that uh, are reality for us when we receive Christ as our Savior. For goodness sakes, we're forgiven, we're redeemed, we're reconciled, God is propitiated, uh, we are set apart positionally, and all of those things that happen at the moment of salvation. But that's not what this is talking about. This transformation here is by the renewing of our minds. It's our business. And... um, That's what I would like us to consider here today, (coughs) what we're talking about here by the renewing of your mind in a a message that I've entitled, Mind Over Matter, as we are dealing here uh, right out of this same passage we were in last week. Um, Mind Over Matter, secularly, it is talking about how one can control the outcome of a situation with their mind. With what they think about a thing, with how they think and and view a thing, and you know that's that's true. I think that's kind of what uh you know people who might go to uh these group sessions, whether they be an alcoholic or a drug addict or something as as they together work through these things and and so secularly and psychologically uh there's truth to this, that one can't control the outcome of a situation based on what you think about it. But my friends, there is a theological eff- emphasis as well to this. and that's what I would like us to explore further today. Uh, mind over matter. There are three areas that I would like to examine with you, three areas of this truth. First of all, my mind, is my control center. Secondly, my mind is my battlefront. And third, my mind and God's instructions, which I don't think we'll get to today because of communion and the clock. So I've got to hurry it along just to cover these two. First of all, my mind is my control center. Philippians chapter 4, if you would. We've seen the importance of our mind here in this dedication decision over in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. But in Philippians chapter 4, a familiar passage that really starts, the emphasis of it starts in verse 4, where it says, Philippians 4 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, or express a Uh, To rejoice is to express joy that is in your heart. Let your moderation or your forbearance or your gentleness be made known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. He's always at hand. He's here today. He'll be with you tomorrow. He's always with us. And that also carries with it the idea that, my friends, he could blow that trumpet at any moment. Be careful for nothing, don't fret and stew about things, rather, the flip side of that is to, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. You can go to God with your request, it doesn't matter, uh, even if you're requesting the wrong thing that really isn't His will, as long as you're willing. If you've made the dedication decision, you're going to be willing to and satisfied with His will, no matter what it is, even if it's against what you requested. Because we understand He knows best, right? And if you do that, the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, you know through Christ we have peace with God. But also in Christ we can have the peace of God, which passeth understanding, shall keep or shall guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There's both our heart and mind being spoken about. Our heart would be that, that really who we are. Our mind is, is, is this thing up here. It will guard, it will stand century, is what keep, literally, is a military term. It'll keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verse 8 is where I'm working my way to. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise if there's going to be any of this rejoicing and and letting your moderation be known unto men and having the peace of God, if, if there's going to be any of that, my friends, you need to think on these things. What we think about. What goes on up here controls our life. My mind controls my thoughts. That's kind of a redundant thing. And kind of an obvious thing. But it just the, the, what the passage is telling us, what we think is, is, is where it starts. That's where it starts. This is the control center. My mind is my control center. And if I'm going to have any praise in my life, if I'm going to have any, any virtue in my life, if I'm going to have any peace of God, then, my friends, I need to be concerned about my mind and what I think about Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Not too far over, maybe a page or two. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Colossians 3, 1. If ye then be risen with Christ. Are you risen with Christ? You say, well, what in the world does that mean? Well, That means you're saved. You have part in his death and you have part in his resurrection. Based on truths that are presented throughout the New Testament epistles. If you are risen with Christ. If you're saved here today is what it's talking to. Seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on the things above not on things on earth. Now my friends the word affections there is the same Greek word that is translated mind over in Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so it carries with it the idea, you know, as we think of, of affections or that word that is, is translated minds, the Greek definition, it means to have an understanding, to think, to feel, to have an opinion about something. To direct one's mind to a thing. To strive for. To seek. Just like it says there in verse 1. Seek those things which are above. Set your affections. And literally what it's talking about is set your mind. On things that are above. Not things on the earth. Now as we go about our daily lives. We have our eyes and our minds on things on earth but my friends sometimes that's all we see <coughs> and we need to lift our eyes up and we need to see God through the eyes of faith that is and and see his promises and and see him at work in our life and, and not just get clouded over so my friends as as we go this further we see that that my mind controls my thoughts. My mind controls my heart. You see, that's a little further along in my thinking process. It becomes my heart's desire. What I have set my affections on. What I find a fond attachment to or devotion or an emotional, uh, in the emotional realm. I set my affections. And of course, my mind controls my thoughts my mind controls my heart turn with me to first peter chapter 1 first peter chapter 1 starting in verse 13 where it says wherefore gird up the loin's of your mind you know we don't do much girding up today but they did back then they wore what they called a girdle which was no more than just a belt and they wore long flowing robes and if they were to gird up something they would they would prepare for action they would tuck that long flowing robe up so that they wouldn't be inhibited by it. And so that's what we're talking about here. Girding up, prepare for action in where? Our mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. That's a, uh, a mental outlook of things. And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's talking about uh you know, the, what we gird our minds up toward and, and for. And then verse 14, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. My friends, we are challenged to be holy as he is holy. You say, well, that's impossible. It's not. That doesn't mean we'll be sinlessly per- Perfect. There are some who teach sinless perfection. That's, not a, that's a false doctrine. But, my friends, we can be holy at any given moment. And if we have sin in our life, then we just apply 1 John 1 9 and confess it. And He is faithful and just to forgive us of it and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we are where He wants us to be as obedient children. We know what that means, don't we, parents? As obedient children, you do what you're told. And then, of course, over in verse 22, it kind of helps us to uh, see how we can be holy. It says, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. And, of course, loving the brethren is 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 uh, an evidence of the life that we have, But but purifying our souls or being holy by obeying the truth and what we're talking about is being obedient and my friends what we have here as we gird up our mind we realize that that not only does my mind control my thoughts and my mind controls my heart but my mind controls my life my mind is a control center what I think is what I'm going to desire and if I think of just the things that I are faced with here at the earthly level, then, my friends, that's what I'm going to desire. And if that's what I desire, that's what I'm going to do. So we need to take care with our mind, mind over matter. Be careful with what you think. And, of course, we operate in this world, so we think of the things in this world, but don't lose sight of the things which are above. Don't leave that out of your thinking. My mind is the control center, but my mind also is the battlefront because Satan knows this dynamic. And it helps us to understand it too. Turn with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, not too far from... Peter there, first Peter. In James chapter one he's talking about trials and the temptations and the the issues of life, the trials. Verse two he talks about count it all joy, brethren, you fall into diverse temptations. That's a, a way we need to mentally think about our trials. It's not a jumping up and down type joy. You know, whoopee, here we go, like the, a child would about something. No, it's a it's a mental outlook. It's, a, it's a, a biblical, scriptural, theological way of viewing trials. Count it all joy. And then because, verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. You say, well, I don't need patience. Well, yeah, you do, if you're going to live the Christian life. But patience have her perfect work. That you might be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. We understand, we know that, that trials bring maturity. You know, if we, if, if we never had a trial, we'd just be scooting along through life, no problem. It'd be a breeze. But when we run up against a trial, as everybody knows and understands, it causes us to, to stop and to look and to look up. <coughs> At least we should. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give it to all men liberally, and that's in light of those trials. To be able to view him in this way, God will help us to understand that. Going on down verse 12, the same topic Blessed is the man that endureth temptation or trials. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Now, verse 13 is where I'm going. Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Now, the same word is used whether it's talking about God's trials that he allows into our life, or temptations, or the, the persecutions, the trials that he allows into our life, versus the, the trials or the temptations that are Satan's solicitation to do wrong. God will never solicit us to do wrong. That's Satan doing that. And that's why I said, let no man say. When you have a solicitation to do wrong, that that's of God. But notice he says, Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. Now my friends right here, we see Satan's tactic. Drawn away. What does that entail? Something just catches our attention. And we're talking about the mind. He catches our attention through one of our senses, whether it be our eyes, or ears, we hear something. Maybe we smell something. Every man, it says, is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And, of course, we're talking about step two here, his own lust and enticed. Starts out being drawn away with just a thought. a sight, but then it goes to a step further. We're talking about now my heart. It went from catching my attention to my heart, my desire, enticed. That word literally means to bait. (laughs) You know, I often use the the parallels of a fisherman and Satan. Satan. And, and there's a reason for that. That's what literally this means, to bait, to catch by bait. And I have nothing against fishermen. It's just a good example of how Satan works. He he baits us. He dangles a pretty little thing down in front of us, and if that doesn't work, he'll change the hook, and he'll put something else on there until he finds the one that attracts our attention and, and uh, gets us. And so he draws us away. And then he baits us with our own lusts. And then as you go on in verse 15, And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. My friends, if you uh, catch it at the beginning of this process, it's easy to deal with. Just your attention is all that's involved. But if it, if you dwell on it and if you don't, Take charge of how you think about it. Then it's gonna slip on down into your heart. It's gonna be that which you desire. And if you start desiring it, then before you know it, it's gonna be sin. And that's your body, my life. And what's the where does this start? It starts in the mind. That's Satan's tactic. He knows that. He just tries to catch our attention. He baits us. And right there is where we deal. We should deal. Temptation. We can't avoid temptation. It's all about us. There's no way. You live in this world, but we're not of the world. We know God and God's word. And we know the things that are right and the things that are wrong. And and he's told us plainly. And so that's what we need to. This renewing of my mind. That's a transformation that, you know, dedication involves. To think the thoughts, make new my thoughts, to think thoughts the way God thinks. To view these things that Satan's baiting me with the way God views them. And if you cut it off at that point and just go on about, you know, look up to the Lord in a, a truth or a promise of His Word that you can stand on, it'll be a solid rock under you. Uh, start thinking about that, my friends. Uh, then they'll not slip down into your heart. You'll not be enticed. You'll not start lusting then you'll not sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 brings us out so very clearly that my mind is my battlefront. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, And, of course, you could uh, insert there Ephesians chapter 6, the armor of God. Our weapons are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. My friends, it says over there uh, it ticks off the pieces of armor whereby every, every piece of armor has something to do with the word of God. And ultimately to raise up that shield of faith wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. My friends, we are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Our weapons are by the almighty God, by the omnipotent God. Satan's very potent, but my friends, that's that's about that big compared to omnipotence. And here we are, you know, beyond that. But we have We can tap into the uh, mighty God, the pulling down of strongholds. And then where he's talking about in verse 5, he makes clear, casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. My friends, there. Right there it is. My mind is my battlefront. Some of us can can lose the battle and not do a thing. Just by our thought life. And I'm here to tell you if you lose the battle up here, you're you're well nigh to losing the battle down here in your heart. And if you lose the battle down here in your heart, more than likely you're going to do it. Mind over matter. What you think, so vitally important. And of course, next week, we're going to go on to look at my mind and God's instructions. God tells us very clearly, we've seen some of these things here this morning, but it hadn't been my emphasis to to point out these instructions. And there's far more than what we've looked at this morning, of things we can do to, to take charge. And to proactively and positively conquer in this battle for my mind. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for the privilege of looking at it here today. I pray that you would help us, Father, to uh, heed the truths of your word. May we understand and know this today. What... Uh, has been my emphasis that is so very important what, it, it, what goes on in our minds because that's the control center and that's where the battlefront lies Satan knows that and we see his tactic is to start there with just getting our attention and yet he uh, does not stop there as we all know uh, if you give him uh, one thought father he'll Take it all if he can. So help us to do battle as we can have the victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for this time together about this truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.